Good morning and welcome to the Jarek Show. Minus the J today. Apparently it's just the Eric Show today. I'm not sure where our co-host is, but last I heard he was trying to navigate the streets of London while returning from the airport. We may have lost him for good, folks. I'm not really sure. Let's see if he can uh, eventually show up. Otherwise, we got this. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. All right, so we are back. And this week, we have some interesting stories with or without my co-host. So um, as you all know, uh, both of us do a lot of presentations. We've been out and about doing that. That kind of stuff is picking up again. Um, However, uh, we're still doing a lot of remote stuff. And it is October. We're winding up October, which is National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Now, this is the month that we try to remind people of the issues and stuff that's going on out there and get them more aware of cybersecurity. Uh, unfortunately, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, so having said that, uh, it's been a pretty wild month. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, <laughs> Javad is probably tied up somewhere in London traffic, which is not known for being the best in the world. Uh, so we will go ahead and continue on with the stories today, doing it solo, which is tricky because I have no idea what I'm doing in this platform. But let's try this now. Okay, good, good. We got the first story here. So first story here is about the EFCC. Now the EFCC, uh, it stands for, gosh, I don't remember, uh, something important. Uh, but, uh, oh. Economic and Financial Crimes Commission. So this is actually a good feel story because this year what's happened is they've actually made 2,669 convictions between January and now so far this year. What's cool about this, though, is 1,968 of these convictions were cybercrime related. Now, this is something we don't hear a lot about is the groups getting in trouble for this. But I'm starting to hear and see more and more things happen uh, with regards to law enforcement activity. Hopefully, we can start getting ahead of this a little bit because in the past, obviously, we seem to be struggling with, with getting these folks. Now, this is a different group. A lot of them apparently were in uh, Nigeria, as a matter of fact. And uh, they made quite a number of busts. I don't know why the pictures aren't showing up, but hey, why not? Um, but ultimately, they were talking about here from identity theft, phishing, malware attacks, bank fraud, uh, vishing, the credit card scams, all kinds of stuff. Um, so between January and October 7th, this is awesome. Again, 1,968 convictions. So that's our good news story for the day. Now, maybe we'll worry about or, or move on to some that are less fun. Um, oh, well, actually, this is another good news one. Here we go. So bots, we know that bots are a serious problem out there. Uh, bots are being used for everything from posting things on social media that, you know, are, are divisive, things like that, uh, to just uh, uh, running up people's follow count. All kinds of stuff happens with bots. But 
apparently a lot of these bots were pretending to be Amazon or employee or Amazon or Apple employees on LinkedIn. So these kinds of accounts are used to start creating trust between people, conversations. You start to believe somebody, build up a relationship. They don't really work for one of these organizations. Now, I thought this was pretty interesting. In uh, On October 10th, there were 576,562 LinkedIn accounts that listed their current employer as Apple. So half a million accounts uh, listing as Apple. The next day, half of them were gone. Just about the same thing happened with Amazon. Um, there's some interesting things I've seen with this. Uh, in my deepfakes talk, I actually have a couple slides about it was a uh, profile that was made to apparently purport to be the head of AI for LinkedIn, trying to reach out to somebody and chat with them. Uh, turns out that the entire account was a deep fake. The, uh, the photograph was actually a deep fake made photograph that was made through one of the different uh, uh, programs for doing deep fake. So it was a totally generated one. And so this kind of thing, like I said, goes on uh, quite a bit, but they start building relationships with people, build a little bit of trust. And next thing you know, bad things are happening, right? So nice to see that they're actually getting out here and doing this kind of stuff. So 33% drop in just one day. Great to hear that kind of stuff going on. So here's a, a bad side of things though. Researchers discovered thousands of GitHub repositories that offer fake POC exploits. Okay. So what they're doing though, is they're using these POC exploits to spread malware. So if, uh, if you're trusting anything you see on GitHub and uh, going after POCs, trying to look at that, downloading some stuff, the bad news is they can be fake. Um, they can be malware themselves. So keep in mind that be cautious with what you're doing there. Um, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of ways to confirm what is what all there. Um, some proof of concepts are fake. They do not actually offer POC functionality or even malicious. They attempt to exfiltrate data from the system they're being run on or try to install malware on the system. Now, we see a lot of different ways that these, uh, that these people are trying to get folks to download malware. They're very crafty. They're very... Um, very sneaky about what they're doing. And they're trying different things. This is just an example of another way that they're trying to get people to get fooled into downloading this. So different kinds of tips, tricks. And speaking of significant downloads happening, let's see if I got the right one queued up here. Yes. Google bans 16 popular Android apps. Now, here's the thing. Um, a bunch of these are... From the Google Play Store, uh, McAfee found that a lot of these end up carrying viruses. Uh, so there's malware embedded in these apps. And here's the problem. A lot of people trust that something that comes from an, an official app store like this is going to be okay. Uh, they trust that Apple will clear it out, that the Android Play Store is secure. And we tell them, don't use other Play Stores. And that's, that's not an unwise choice. Um, side-loading APKs, using 
third-party app repositories, especially those that promise to give you stuff for free, never really a good idea. Um, unfortunately, in this case, uh, over 20 million users downloaded these apps. Um, and the malware that was on here isn't, isn't really that bad, ultimately, in the grand scheme of things. It basically does um, advertising scams. So it will use data, use batteries, you know, stuff like that. It's basically a scam like that. So it's not stealing credentials. It's not doing any of that. But it's still pretty significant. Now, they're saying here that one of the top apps was downloaded 10 million times. Uh, and the problem here is even though it's been removed from the app stores, it's actually not removed from the phones. So that's a problem that we have here is we trust that they're going to take care of it, but they take these things down, yet they remain on our phones, unfortunately. So uh, let's see, where were some of the lists of the apps here? Uh, let's see, high-speed camera, over 10 million downloads. A smart task manager, DX Clean, with over 5 million installs. And Flashlight Plus, over a million. What? What kind of functionality do you need out of your flashlight that you're downloading apps again? And this kind of reminds me of some of the things I've seen in the past where you download some of these apps and it requests a lot of permissions and people just tend to say, okay. But if you start thinking about it, your flashlight app, why would it need access to something like your contacts list? Probably doesn't. Probably not a great idea. Um, location services, all this kind of stuff just to download something like a flashlight app. Unfortunately, this can tend to lead to issues like this. So if you have one of these apps, and of course, in the stories here, uh, in the notes, there's going to be a link to this story. If you have one of these apps, download or delete it off your phones. Um, again, unfortunately, it will not automatically delete. You're going to have to do this yourself. So let's see, the next story, um, also not great news. This is called C-Tickets, and uh, I haven't used them at all, um, but C-Tickets had a two-and-a-half-year-long credit card theft breach. Okay, so what happened here is somebody got basically a like a skimmer program um, on their website. So as you were making purchases, it was actually grabbing those credit card numbers, that credit card information, and then sending it off to uh, these bad actors. Now, the thing about this one is it lasted two and a half years in their code. I mean, this is an e-commerce platform. For things to go that long to me is is a bit of a challenge, right? So two and a half years. Now, here's the other thing that gets me is they discovered the breach in April of 2021 uh, when they started an investigation. But if we look down after the video, it wasn't until January 8th that they actually removed it. So this was this malicious code stealing credit cards was on their website from April of 2021 until January of 2022. That's entirely too long, folks. If you're in the business where you're running e-commerce and you're doing things like that, you need to be prepared to deal with this kind of stuff, okay? And unfortunately, unlike a normal breach where somebody gets in and gets into maybe a database or something that exfiltrates data, because this is a skimmer 
and was basically grabbing the data as you entered it, things that are not normally stored could have been stolen. So names, address, zip code, um, and the CVV number off the back, the thing that's meant to keep things more secure, very likely went away with this kind of stuff because of the way that these skimmers act and uh, the way that they work. So unfortunately, if you've used this uh, this organization, C-Tickets, uh, keep an eye on things there. Um, again, now this may have been going on for a couple of years, but it kept going on until fairly recently. If you're in an organization that does this type of work with e-commerce, have your code scanned a lot more. <laughs> um, I don't know how they initially tripped over this and found it, but again, that's entirely too long for something to be in the code of somebody that does e-commerce for a living. So then last but not least, this is another um, very interesting uh, story here. A Ukrainian man running a malware service amassed 50 million unique credentials. That's a lot of unique credentials. And, and credentials are incredibly valuable for attackers. They use uh, something called uh, credential stuffing, which is where they take these unique credentials oftentimes uh, that they've gotten from other breaches and stuff like that. And what they do is then they use that username and password and try to log into other things. We talked about the North Face breach uh, a few weeks ago. That was 195,000 accounts were taken over through credential stuffing. That's where these credentials become very useful for bad actors. They know that people reuse passwords. So by collecting 50 million of them, not only do you have access to those accounts, which they were actually logging into, but in a lot of cases, you actually have uh, access to another account or group of accounts as well, just because this is what people do. And this is why I'm so big on, uh, on uh, password vaults and things like that. To me, that's a very, very important uh, thing to have is a password vault. They're cheap. They're free. They allow you to generate multiple unique passwords, manage them in one spot. You know, and I, I tell people under threat of death, I probably can't tell you 70% of my passwords. I've probably never seen them. It's been generated by this and simply um, uh, kept for me, stored securely. So uh, there are some issues with password managers, especially, believe it or not, it's not, I don't worry about my passwords being stolen from them. The biggest problem is if you forget or lose your master password, the one that lets you into the vault, there's nothing that these vendors can typically do to get it back because they don't have a copy of your master password. Uh, all the encryption and stuff happens on the local devices. And so if you lose that, there's nothing they can do. The flip side of that is, they can't, no matter what happens in their system, or if a, if a, somebody there wants to, you know, go rogue, they can't decrypt your password vault. So that's kind of the way off for security there. But this is, uh, I mean, this is pretty interesting. Um, you know, this guy was 26 in the Ukraine. Um, he helped operate this. It's called Raccoon, an info stealer program. Um, about 200 a month was the uh, the cost for this malware as a service. And I've talked before about all of these as a service things that we have coming out. Um, 
between ransomware as a service, we have phishing as a service, we have malware as a service like this. These are subscription services a lot of times where people can use these platforms. And a lot of folks don't realize how complex and how well done these platforms are. So these generally have a nice dashboard. They're going to tell you what's going on within whatever it is you're doing for like uh, phishing as a service. It's going to show you your successful emails, how many of them were bounced, how many of them were not. These are the same kinds of tools we use in legitimate marketing stuff. Only instead of, uh, you know, in, instead of using them for good, they use them for evil. And uh, with ransomware, it's kind of the same thing. It tells you when something's been installed, when it's beaconing back. Um, and these are, you know, uh, in a lot of cases, things like the ransomware as a service groups are oftentimes uh, just on a profit sharing basis where phishing is a service and malware is a service. You're basically paying subscription costs. But when you consider the amount of money that people are making with this, it's uh, relatively inexpensive to get into the game these days. And that's kind of why uh, I'm so passionate about the phishing side of things and that side of the world. So now uh, that kind of wraps up our weekly stories. Uh, again, unfortunately, Javad has not made it today. Um, but uh, we will be back next week, I hope. He's uh, actually coming over here. We may be doing this live from the no before headquarters or something like that uh, next Friday. We'll see how that works out. But until then, uh, thanks for joining us today for the short episode, but hopefully gave you some info and uh, take care and thank you.